I'm Kate Daniels. Coronavirus, a word that was not at the top of our consciousness even just a few weeks ago, now it's a reality of our daily existence, and as such, it's critically important what we do about that, and more so, what our thoughts are. Dr. Mark Engelman, Director of Clinical Consulting for Cyrex Laboratories and with decades of medical work in various capacities, joins us to discuss our immune system and being sure we take most excellent care of it. Dr. Mark Engelman, good morning. It is really just so wonderful to have you join us this morning. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I'm grateful because you are a key authority here during this time where we're all uh, probably in some area, some place of distress, concern. Uh, There's a gamut of emotions going on. And you, with a specialty in immunology and talking about the coronavirus and the effect it has on our bodies and what the immune system does to play into this, well, it's just this real mixed bag. And I think you're here to help us to kind of maneuver through it and learn something that's really key for our health. I'm ready to go. Okay. So first of all, we're talking about, you know, some very basic things like hand washing and keeping distance from people and quarantine ourselves if need be, if we have symptoms. But really, what's really critical here as well that maybe we're not getting enough information about is our immune system and how to keep it healthy because it's really like a foundation to all the rest of this. No doubt about it. You know, we probably, I don't even want to think about how many different things we're exposed to on a daily basis, bacteria, virus, you know, they're all, you know, critters, microbes, but, you know, there's bacteria and they're different from viruses or different from funguses, but they're all out there. So we have this magnificent system that basically stops them in their tracks before, because the key is they want to get in and we don't want them in. Right. And so when I mean in, I mean across a barrier into our bloodstream, into our immune system, but particularly our bloodstream, because then they have access to go wherever they want to go. Once they're in, then obviously blood goes everywhere. So the bugs can go everywhere. So our main focus is to keep things out. So that's called the barrier function. And that's the skin intact skin you know if your skin's intact you don't get an infection and if you cut it or whatever you won't you're more subject to that so that's the outside barrier but the other outside barriers are the nose what are called mucous membranes and what they do is they actually make mucus to keep things from you know it's thick so it keeps things away from getting to the cell that allows them to get in. So you have the cell that's the barrier, then it makes mucus, and the mucus keeps those those pathogens or those those bacteria or you know viruses, the microbes away, so they never get to get right up to that barrier. So one in this particular case is the respiratory system, and it particularly. The first, you know, the first soldiers are the nose, and the nose has hairs on it, so it beats and keeps all the stuff in the air and, you know, and the microbes and things away, and the mucus captures it, and then these beating hair things basically 
you know, wave back and forth and try and get rid of it with a sneeze or, or just don't allow it in. Or, and so that's that barrier. And then the other one is the, then obviously the mouth. And then the big barrier is the gut, which is got 70, 80 percent of the immune system lives in the gut because that's where the action is. People think it's outside, but really the gut is your skin inside you. And everything is trying to protect everything from getting inside, so to prevent it from taking root where it wants to go. So barrier functions big, and so you got to make mucus. Mucus has some, you know, amino acids in it. It's got some sugars in it, and it's got a lot of water in it. So staying hydrated, you know, not not drowning yourself, but staying hydrated is a big deal. I think one of the reasons that these viruses do better in the winter is because everybody knows their nose is always dry in the winter because of the heating. It doesn't have any water in it unless you have a humidifier. So that's, I think, and then we get cracks sometimes in our skin of our nose on the inside and so forth. So staying hydrated is big. And then the next steps are once it gets past that barrier, and gets into the immune system, which is always right underneath that cell, but that, like your skin, are, are tons of immune cells that are busy, you know, getting a hold of whatever got in and taking it in and going, is this something we need to be worried about and so forth? And if it is, then we need to try and get rid of it in every way we can. And so that's the next system. And that's the innate immune system, which is basically stopping it in its tracks immediately when it gets through that barrier. All of these are subject to our general health. So if we basically, I was talking to somebody this morning earlier about stress being a, a problem with immunity, and the reason, probably the main reason is because when we're stressed, our uh, steroids, cortisol goes up, and you know everybody knows you take cortisol to decrease inflammation, but inflammation is how we fight infections by becoming inflamed. So it's not good if you don't have an infection, but it's great if you do have an infection because that's how we fight it. So stress is a big one, and the second largest I think is um, sleep. Good sleep at the appropriate hours because what you want to do is. Your body is there to keep you alive and healthy. So don't make its job difficult by not allowing it to do its job. And so stress doesn't allow it to sleep is when we clean out the factory from the day before so we're ready to go and do our job. So those are two big ones, and obviously diet's huge too. Stress is a key one, though, because I th- this is almost like a vicious cycle for many people, that the idea of this illness is such that it causes stress, and so then it can just really go round and round. How do we then get that under control? What do you recommend with patients you would see, or just in general, talking to your friends and family? Knowledge. You know, I think knowledge is you have to get your source of where you're going to get your knowledge, and it isn't politicians, I can tell you that. And frequently it isn't even OBGYN doctors, not that there's anything wrong with them, but this is pretty specific. This virus is pretty specific. So the CDC, I think the Center for Disease Control has a website. 
if you want information, and most people, I think, have a computer or access to information, that's where you need to get your information because there's a lot of faulty stuff. I was reading this morning that, you know, the, the rate of death of South Korea per X amount compared to Italy per the same X amount of people, you know, deaths per thousand is way, way, way lower in South Korea than it is Italy. And the reason they believe, I was just reading it this morning, but I, I sort of knew this was true, was testing. They knew who had, they tested everybody and they're testing everybody. And the key is I want to know who's got the illness. Not that they're sick, but has the virus because the test doesn't test for antibodies. Did I have it? Now am I immune to it? Like a vaccination test for antibodies to something. I got vaccinated. I, you know, my immune system took care of it. I made antibodies to it that recognize it, that went away, so I don't have any more of it left, and I have a memory cell made, so the next time I see that, it won't take me seven days to figure it out, which is about how long it takes to make antibodies once you see something new. So, you know, a big part is if I knew I had it, then I better stay away from people. You know, and I certainly better stay away from my elderly or sick relatives or friends. And so that's why the testing thing at the very beginning, I think, was crucial. Now, I mean, you know, they didn't have the test at the beginning, which they should have had, which was ridiculous. But now that they do, they're talking about, well, you know, if you don't feel bad, you shouldn't get tested. The only reason they're saying that is there aren't enough tests to go around and there aren't enough testing sites to go around. But in a perfect world, you test everybody. And then if you had it, you would go quarantine yourself. You certainly wouldn't go visit grandma and grandpa. And that's how their death rate in South Korea is much lower per thousand because everybody's getting tested and they know who has it. And so they say, okay, you have it. You know, stay away from everybody versus well, I hope I don't get it, and I, who knows who has it, and you know, we'll wait till they get sick. And it's a different way of doing it. But if you want to stop this in its tracks, you'll test as many people as you can possibly test. And so I think that we're seeing a gearing up of getting the tests, but we also are finding that you know many places, many businesses are shut down. We're being encouraged by our leadership to uh, have social distancing, stay home if you don't have to be out. So in a way, this is is helping, correct? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it is somewhat of a shotgun approach, but it's better than nothing, which is, you know, the virus, if you get the virus, it takes X amount of time to have your antibodies built up so you get rid of the virus because the test checks for the virus. The test does not check for antibodies to the virus. So antibodies mean I am now officially immune to that virus. If I ever see it again, I have a memory cell that will ramp up my ability to make antibodies so it never gets into my cell. I can get rid of it right off. If we had, you know, one of the ways they're treating people that's get the infection and get sick is they're taking people who have had the infection who have antibodies and they're taking their blood and spinning it down and getting the antibodies from those people who've had it 
who have antibodies and transfusing them into the people who just got it and got sick from it because those people already have the antibodies. It's not like the antibodies have to figure it out. That, that They know what it looks like. So if you give it early, then they can get that, you know, kill that virus before it ever gets into the cell because once it gets into the cell, that's when people start dying, older people, because they try and fight the infection and then they have all the pus and all the dead cells and stuff and it comes up the airways. They can't breathe and that's why they go on those ventilators because they, you know, the airways want to close for whatever reason and there's pressure outside the airways to close those little air sacs that have to be held open by this stuff called surfactant. But if you gum them up, with a bunch of stuff trying to, you know, killing, the, you know, the viruses and the cells that they're in. And because once a virus gets in the cell, we can't kill the virus. You have to kill the virus before it gets in the cell. Once it gets in the cell, it only goes in there to do one thing, and that's to make little baby viruses. And it uses our own genetics to make them. But there are signals that once that cell has a virus in it that are shown to the immune system that says, I have a virus and you need to kill me because if you don't, this virus is going to use my stuff. So one is to keep the virus out. That's what the antibodies. So that kills the virus before it ever gets into the cell. That's what you want. That's why we vaccinate people, right, for the flu because we they make antibodies and then if the flu comes along... We have antibodies, and the virus doesn't get in. But once it gets in, you got to kill the cell that it's in, and that's a messy, messy deal. You can imagine how much debris is left over, and that's the reason people get so sick. So we want to capture this ahead of time. Knowledge, as you said, is important, and I'm trusting that we are providing some of that knowledge this morning, but we can only do so much. Right. A key thing is, again, keeping our immune system strong. So we've talked about the kinds of things that are going to keep it healthy with the hydration and the sleep. It's the um, managing stress that I think is still such a critical thing in our world that rather than reacting and uh, getting really frightened by this, how do we handle this? How do we recommend to people to manage themselves, to head this face on and really do what they can to protect themselves? You know, I would, you know, make a plan, you know, in not a stressful way, but make a plan. Here's who gets it. It's transmitted by people sneezing and coughing and, you know, transmitted from person to person, but also if it hangs around on surfaces and stays alive. So if you're in your house and you don't go out, then you don't have to clean your surfaces every five minutes, which I guarantee you people are doing. I can see them doing it right now because there's no virus. It didn't get in. It has no way to get in. If somebody were to, for instance, deliver food or whatever, you know, I would certainly make sure that I washed my hands and, you know, and that sort of thing. And then if I put it down on a surface, I would probably clean the surface and so forth. But get a plan and then decide how you're going to get your basics. You know, they'll replenish the stock so you don't have to worry that you're going to starve to death because you won't get food. That's not the way this country works. And then 
One of the other things is I like vitamin C a lot. I'm a Linus Pauling guy. And I like most of the things are better when you take them in their natural form. So I'm a big lemon juice guy. I love lemon juice. And not concentrate. Real lemons, squeeze them, have some tea, which is also good for calming people down. And it's also good for the immune system, green tea, black tea, whatever. And then, you know, I'm doing three or four whole lemons a day now. I like the taste of them, and I'm jacking up my vitamin C, which really helps a lot. And then the other is the rest of the diet with B vitamins, because everything depends on everything else. So none of the enzymes that, you know, help you help the white cells do whatever they're going to do, they all are dependent on having a full amount of resources. So, you know, eating saltine crackers, you know, or cereal with a lot of sugar is not a great way to power your immune system, whereas, you know, eating up fruits and vegetables and maybe even if you get older, a good multivitamin that has B vitamins in it is probably not a bad idea. But those would be, I think, the main things to do. But, you know, stress, I was reading something about Buddhism, actually, this last night. And then one of the things is, is that people are uncomfortable because they think about things that may be coming or things they don't have or things they can't control. And that's what makes people anxious. And so the more you sort of settle down, go, man, I got this and get a plan that you can take the stress part out of the equation, which is definitely probably one of the, you know, one of the major things, particularly for people that are sick that are worried anyhow, or get older and feel like they're alone and so forth. And the other thing I would say is, you know, call somebody, you know, if they're by themselves, they're lonely already a little bit or a lot. And that doesn't help the immune system either. So this is a good time for people to think about somebody besides themselves. I think that we can come out of this with a much better idea of how we're all in this together. And, you know, if you're a young person, you're going to give it to the older person if you go out to the bars every night or hang around with your friends and go, I don't care. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't bother me. I'm not going to get sick. Well, you know, you probably won't, but you're a human being. And so act like it and don't give it to somebody else. And so you can have a lot to do with this. So step up, you know, man up or whatever they call it and act like you have some responsibility, which we do. You are really capturing quite the essence of what this is. It's not just this virus, this coronavirus that is frightening because people are dying from it in a very short period of time. But we can see that it's bigger because we need to step back from it, as you said, making the plan, seeing how maybe our life has led us to this. We've created too much stress. We've come here. So to be backing up and seeing that this is maybe a, a really tough lesson, but lots to learn. But we better learn or, you know, it's all for naught. Yeah, or it's just going to happen again, and, the, you know, the planet's going to get hotter, and it's not all about me. It's all about us. We're in this together, so do the right thing. You know what to do. We know what to do. You know, we just need to do it, and so we've become pretty selfish in all the technology and everything. It's all about me now, and the religious people, you know, would say this is, you know, somebody's way of saying, you know, you better 
figure out a different way to live because this is leading to not a great end. So step back, take a deep breath, and look at the bigger picture, which is why you're here in the first place and what you can do to make the world better. So this is a good example of that. And it's unique in the sense of being pandemic, being a worldwide situation where we really see things having to pull in and quiet down, take advantage of this opportunity rather than creating that stress from being frustrated about it. Well, it's funny, you know, it's sort of my friends who basically don't read books, but some who are out and about and or, you know, or the ones that don't read and just like to watch sports all day long, they're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no new sports on. So you can watch old games, I guess. And you can't go out to the bars and drink and everything. You actually might be stuck sitting in your backyard listening to the birds sing. Oh, my God, how horrible would that be? <laughs> so, you know, now's the time. It's almost like, no, you are enforced to stay be by yourself. When I say be by yourself with your own thoughts, your own time, this is the time to go back inside, calm down, and look at the things you do have and the things you don't have. And I've talked to friends about it, and I like to do that. So they go, well, your life hasn't changed that much. You know, I have a nice backyard, not big, but I planted flowers, and I've got an organic garden and a great dog. And so for me... My life really hasn't changed that much. So this is the time to basically settle back down again and, you know, look at what you have, not what you don't have. Again, a, a really wonderful and peaceful perspective is to look at it in that way. And it is hard, as you say, for people who have perhaps been in a frantic pace and have certain kinds of entertainment that are most key. It's a shift that needs to happen and having that awareness to think that maybe something fun will come out of it. Maybe I will be even happier than I think I have been. Yep, I agree. I think that's the option because, you know, people haven't done it and they go, I don't know what that even feels like to stay home on a Saturday or a Friday night. Well, now you will. Right. All of this then to come back to that place of saying, as we get ourselves more peaceful, it helps our bodies, our immune system, which is really at the crux of this, to begin to strengthen that's going to help us to ward off diseases. And well, here in this case, the coronavirus, but maybe we'll get under control some of these other autoimmune diseases in our life, like the heart conditions and the diabetes. I don't have any doubt about it. When you look at the neurodegenerative things, the Alzheimer's, the ALS, as I was reading about Parkinson's disease early this morning, you know, at the end of the day, they're all about inflammation. And the inflammation is the immune system. It's a way of going after things that we don't like. Everything that I just described, once that bug, you know, gets across the barrier, and probably actually before that, but when it gets in, is inflammation. You start making signals, and this cell talks to that cell, and, you know, here's what's coming, get ready, and that cell eats the, you know, whatever the bacteria or virus is, and then has to figure out a way to digest it, and that requires energy and so forth. So, 
it's all, you know, I was talking to a physician yesterday who's sharp from a consult, and he was starting to get into integrative medicine, which is things don't happen for no reason. You know, used to be you go to your rheumatologist and they'd go, hey, congratulations, you have lupus. Oh, um, yeah, oh, and by the way, you need to go on steroids for the rest of your life. And so the logical question is, well, I didn't have lupus a year ago. What happens? <laughs> Why do I have it now? You know, what are the triggers? Which is what I do with this company. And they go, triggers? Get out of here. You just got it. You woke up one day and decided you were going to start attacking yourself. And if you read Stephen Hawking's last book, one of the things that he says, which is the one thing that I took away from the book, is nothing happens for no reason. It's just a question of can we figure out what the reason is. And so at the end of the day, I was talking to this doctor. He said, well, I, you know, and he's a mainstream guy, big guy in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and so forth. I said, learn immunology. You want to know about what's going on in the world today? You better know immunology because this is all cardiac disease, cancer, this virus, neurodegenerative stuff. Everything is immunology, everything. So if you don't understand immunology, you're going to have a hard time being a good, good physician. So, In this way, it is very exciting. We have such a... Oh, it's an, fantastic. Right? The most fun... I've ever had. I, I'm not kidding. And I'm not in the early phase of my career. I tell people, you don't need to read, you know, crazy books about intrigue. This is, your body is full of intrigue. This one wants to destroy that one. And they're going to hide over here. And this one's going to try and discover it. And then when they do that, they're going to do that. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how this system is set up. It's fabulous reading. Well, you are really fabulous yourself in terms of your excitement and your information, your knowledge, and wanting to just really uncover so much and share it, obviously, because we're talking about it this morning. So we mentioned looking for more information at the CDC website. You, as the Director of Clinical Consulting at Cyrix Laboratories, also have a website there that people can find out more about the immune system. The website is joincyrex.com, and it's a great website. It's fantastic for lay people and professional people. It's got a lot about immunology, and, you know, there are lots of triggers that cause inflammation, but also autoimmune disease, which can be picked up by this testing. So it's a terrific you know, idea to do that. A lot of it has to do with gut, you know, since gut's the big barrier and everybody's always talking about probiotics and leaky gut, right? You've heard that. Right. And it's a big deal. And a lot of people believe that a lot of the autoimmune disease, even a lot of the neurodegenerative things actually start in the gut with leaky gut or bad bacteria, overwhelming good bacteria, and that starts that vicious. Now they get into the system, and now inflammation starts. And, you know, our body doesn't mind being inflamed, including our brain, for a little while to get rid of whatever it is that we have to get rid of. But if you do it chronically, the environment is so, so toxic because of these things that are being made to kill viruses and bacteria that they start to kill us. They start doing damage to neurons and, you know, nerves and so forth. So 
acute inflammation, if you get an infection, you know, people go, well, is inflammation good or bad, right? Well, most people think it's bad. But if you're, you know, trying to kill off a bacteria or, you know, an invader, it's great. That's how we do it. It's just not great over a long period of time consistently because it will eventually damage us. And then the downstream consequences are different for different people, but they're not good. So if you do this testing, you can get a pretty good idea of what's going on that might be triggering, you know, pathogens, but also just having stuff leak through, you know, a gut. Now they seem like they're foreign bodies and so forth. And believe it or not, stress is a big part of how your gut, well, everybody knows what happens to their gut when they get stressed. I mean, it's the first thing that, you know, that you feel when you're under stress is your gut starts to churn or you get diarrhea or constipation or abdominal pain or whatever. You know, the gut's the second nervous system and it's 80% and 70% of the immune system. So you better take care of it. And there's the bottom line, taking care of our gut, which connects with stress, which connects with disease. So I think you have given us a great path to follow, making a plan and following it. Dr. Engelman, it has been really so insightful to have this time with you. Thank you so great for your knowledge and for your time. Well, you you have a lot of knowledge yourself. So it's my pleasure. Wonderful. Well, let's all head on this road to being stronger and more vibrant and having good health. There you go.